marriage is the exact same thing. Marriage has its utility, but it's not for everybody, but it's also, it depends, right? The only way you're going to find out and determine, decide for yourself whether marriage is the right move for you is for you to understand exactly what's happening to you when you say I do. And the only way for you to understand is to go talk to a divorce lawyer. Right. So you're not opposed to getting married? Not opposed. Not opposed. Just haven't uh, found the right person yet, I guess. Okay. <laughs> as a as a divorce lawyer, though, you you see, first, okay. Let's start with the introduction here. Justin Lee, welcome to the Genstock Pod. Welcome, welcome. It's a pleasure. How are you? Uh, doing well. Good. I'm uh, happy to be here. Awesome. Well, your face is going to be plastered across all 450 planes on Air Canada. Just yeah. in case you weren't away. Yeah, well, I should have gotten that note because I would have maybe uh, you know, done some makeup or something. <laughs> you, got, you, got the, you got the flow, though. You got the flow. Yeah, you got the <laughs> nice flow going. Um, so today, this is a really interesting topic because I think for a lot of men in particular, now divorce happens to everybody, right? But for men in particular, there's a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Frustration, uncertainty, fear around the fallout of divorce. I think a lot of couples hold on to their marriages or relationships a lot longer because of the fear of what comes with a divorce. But uh, you're sort of the expert here. You're one of Toronto's top divorce lawyers. So tell us what's uh, what's going on in that space right now. Uh, well, so it's you are right that there is a lot of fear. Now I think there's more talks among people now of the possibility of a divorce and the fallout of a marriage than say the generation of our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's because of the advent of social media and just more people are talking about it or more people, it's, it's becoming a less taboo of a, a subject. Um, more people are talking about it. Um, and I think that's evident and there's more interest in people in knowing more about it. And I think one of the evidence of and proof of that is you know like my channel for example people are interested in what i have to say mm-hmm. about by the way if you get a divorce here and um, this is what might happen to you and this is what you should do to protect yourself and people are engaging with that right uh, so people are interested um it's uh in terms like substantively there isn't anything that really you know majorly changed right i mean whether you got divorced 10 or 20 years ago, it's you're probably looking at the same thing happening to you um, Whether you, uh, if you got divorced today, but it's just more people are aware of it. Yeah. Now, I guess specifically for men, I mean, there is this conception out there that um, men are the one that lose it all. They're the one that gets short end of the stick. They lose um, everything that they've worked, up, worked uh, towards their whole life. They lose the kids. They lose everything, and it's um, just... Just stereotypically speaking, they say the women are the one that take it all. Um, it's there's, it's not. I mean, it's a bit nuanced, right? Like, it can be true in a sense that stereotypically we have men who are usually the breadwinners of the family, men who didn't really partake in the parenting, right? And then so the natural outcome when the marriage breaks down is well, the parent who, who's been the primary care, caregiver for their entire lives become the primary parent. The parent who or was the uh, the primary breadwinner um, continued to pay for the child and their ex-spouse, right? So in that sense, is it the men that lose, quote-unquote, lose it all? Uh, statistically, maybe more so than women, but that's not because they're a man. It's just that the, how they've arranged their life in, uh, during the marriage is such that they were the primary breadwinners and then the women were um, stay-at-home parents right. who were caring for the children. So, so contrary to maybe mainstream belief the law isn't necessarily out to get men in that regard black letter law which just means like strictly speaking if you go and look up statutes they do not in any way right are biased against men right Mm. um i mean is there is there a case in which you go to court and you're in front of a judge and you argue your case and you have a um because i mean judges at the end of the day are 
also human, right? Can you remove 100% any sense of bias and um, um, from from their judgments and their opinions of what to do with the case? Probably not. They try their best, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, it's not possible that uh, that that's a, that risk is completely removed. And so may, might you have a judge that says, that just assumes that just because they have a man and a woman in front of them that are fighting for custody of the children, they say, well, the woman should get it because it's just, it's just how it is. Sometimes it can happen. Yeah. It's a bit of a black box. Um, and that's where it depends on the judge. It absolutely depends on the judge. Right. Yeah. No lawyer, how, no matter how good they are, can ever give you a guaranteed outcome inside a courtroom. It, you know, you can have the exact same fact pattern, exact same argument, exact same set of circumstances presented to one judge and get, you know, decision A and presented the next day to a different judge and get a completely different decision. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things. Okay. So let's, let's sort of pull the curtain back on the concept of divorce here. Are we, firstly, are we seeing a higher number, a higher rate in divorces post pandemic? Um, so I haven't seen any specific numbers that sort of speak to that, but the but the word on the street and among all the lawyers is that absolutely the COVID has 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 done up the numbers quite a bit, um, and I think the idea is the for a lot of the couples that have sort of managed their marriage um, because they were able to have the time away from each other yeah. during the workday. Um, and only have to de- quote unquote, deal with one another when they have to during the weekends or after uh, after work hours, whatever. Suddenly they're now quarantined inside one house and they just cannot stand one another. Um, and then, so then everybody's getting a divorce. Um, I mean, it's also the added pressure of people like losing their jobs, um, people um, um, not being able to go out and socialize or just become like mentally stressed. Um, having and then suddenly one parent having to be with the children at all times when they haven't done that for the past however many years and just it, that sh- that sudden change in their lifestyle is a very drastic one. It, it 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 imposes a lot of stress, I think, for a lot of people, and then that has like caused a lot of people to say, "I'm just throwing their towel." It's an expensive process. Extremely. Yeah. Extremely. Oftentimes, people I don't think comprehend how much is involved in in all of that, and you're really breaking down your finances. Can you maybe walk us through, or rather, what's the maybe? Let's start with if somebody was out there contemplating getting a divorce, what's the first step? What does that look like? I mean, there's things like you know you didn't. A lot of people don't know that they have to be separated for a year before they can actually file for divorce. Like, what are some of those little things that most people don't know about? Um, so the first thing you should do is talk to a lawyer, right? I don't say that because I'm a lawyer, but I say that because well, so I mean, call maybe Justin, I, call me or anybody, right? And I'm very, I'm very transparent about that. And in, when I when I have consultations, even um, and they specifically want to talk to me, like I have the consult and I, I I talk with them, I give them my advice, but I also tell them like there's no pressure just because you spoke with me that you have to retain me or have to like respond to me ever. I encourage you to go out and speak to other lawyers, right? Like get second opinions, get different opinions here and there. Because you got to be comfortable with the person that you got to be comfortable, right? Yeah. And like, and and law isn't as isn't so black and white, right? So you know how I see a case may be different than how somebody else sees a case, and if one um, person you drive with a lot better than than me, then that's the person for you, not me, right? Um, like right now, I do offer free consultations for people. Um, because I think it, it, it is valuable for people to have that option to be able to speak to a lawyer without any commitment and just to see what's out there. And if people are speaking to me purely for, you know, just information seeking reasons, you know, that's totally fine too. I mean, I just kind of see it as like my way of giving back to the society in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is another topic that we can maybe talk about later, but the access to justice issue is huge in Ontario, right? Um, I don't know if you guys know the concept of legal aid. Legal aid is basically this government subsidy program that funds um, individuals uh, and their legal fees for having to, there are various areas, but family law is one of them. And so, you know, if you don't have uh, sufficient income and you need to hire a lawyer for your family law needs, not everything, but let's say um, having getting custody of your children or seeking child support, um, then you can get help from legal aid. But the threshold to qualify for legal aid is like, absurdly low i think i I don't have numbers in my head but it's it's something like twenty thousand dollars a year for right like that's like if that's that's way too like 
that level of income is below minimum wage. So like if you have somebody who's working minimum wage, they cannot qualify for legal aid. But the, the truth of the matter is for them to even hire the cheapest family lawyer in Toronto, they are not going to cut it at whatever wage that they're making. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge gap between what people are, um, um, what people need to make to qualify for legal aid and get, get financial uh, assistance and the level of income they need to be making to be able to comfortably uh, and feasibly hire a family lawyer for their own without going to debt or mm. <laughs> eventually declaring bankruptcy. It's like, it, it's a huge issue. And so, I'm, again, I, that's a long roundabout way of me just kind of just just drawing this picture of like why I do what I do in terms of providing free consultations because if people right. want to at expensive. least be able to like get information that they cannot There's access There's a starting otherwise, point. And I'm, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And then what's the next step? So they talk to a lawyer and then what happens next? It really depends what you're looking for, right? So I guess one misconception we can clear up here is the concept of a divorce, right, is different than the concept of separation. And what I mean by that is when we talk about a divorce, it's really ju- divorce, strictly speaking, is just getting a stamp on paper that says you're now divorced. And the only utility in getting a, pa- a divorce paper is that you can now get remarried. That is the only thing that a divorce paper does for you, right? Right. Separation is when is is what we generally refer to, um, sort of holistically, the, all the issues that come with separating from your spouse, whether you were married or not, right? So that's if you have children, that's parenting, uh, child support, spousal support. Um, if you were married, you've got property issues. Um, even if you were not married, you there there could be and usually are property issues. Um, so when we say you're separating and you've got a um, you've got those issues to deal with. Um, that's very different. That, that process very looks very different than somebody who just says, "You know what? I like there's really there's literally nothing, no issues to work out. I just need to get a divorce." Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you kind of mentioned it earlier. If you want a divorce in Ontario, you have to wait a year, one year after you separate from your spouse um, to be able to apply for a divorce. Right. Why is that? I think the idea is the the government wants to discourage people from um, just. Uh, getting a divorce on an impulse, okay. right? So that they want to make sure that you really thought about getting a divorce. I'm sure like, if we really dig in, we can go back to the roots of like, we want to protect the children, make sure we have a nuclear family. And so and if no, you have No to, matter what the reason has to be a year? Well, so, so, so there are three bases, okay? And one is like the most common and that's, you don't need any reason. It's just as long as you were separated for a year, you can get a divorce. Mm-hmm. Two is adultery, so somebody committed an affair, and so you're applying for divorce. And third is cruelty. Some you've endured cruelty by the other person, therefore you need to apply for divorce. The latter two, the adultery and cruelty, is is a possible avenue to get a divorce, but it's never sought after. And the reason is this: if I was to get a divorce with you, Samir, mm-hmm. and I say he cheated on me, therefore. Then he's gonna have his, he's gonna try and have his say about well no that didn't happen or at least didn't happen in the way that you described it or whatever we're gonna right. have, get into a fight that's gonna take a year for Just us to have to have that. a fight yeah. in court right yeah. the year passed anyway yeah right so I mean if you really wanted to you're really vengeful and you just you just wanna you just wanna you know live your life. Uh, uh, you just want to add some entertainment to your life. Maybe you want to go down that route. But it's just practically speaking, why would you like? Why do you want to pay me money and spend the next year, you know, fighting about unnecessary things when the outcome is is going to be the exact same thing? Because also remember, when I say adultery and cruelty is a reason to get a divorce, that has no bearing on the outcome of all the other issues that I talked about. So, for example, you can't say, "Well, he cheated on me, so he has to give me more spousal support." Mm. or more child support or more mm. property it has zero relevance right right so again goes to the point of well like, like what's the point then just wait a year right so yeah. all of that so like the the actual splitting of assets and all that stuff again comes right back down to this is what the law says applies here and here and, and that's essentially the the extent of it that's right yeah that's right I feel like common law is the same okay. so common law refers to when spouses live together um uh, it depends on for what you're talking about. For, for, for example... Um, I mean, did you have to get a divorce for common law? I mean, no, like, no. no? So divorce is only for married couples. Okay. There's no... right to, to enter into a common law relationship, you're not registering for anything. Mm-hmm. It's just a status change um, based on 
just the fact that you've lived together for. For purposes of spousal support, you need to have lived together for three years if you don't have children. Right, so if you don't have children, if three you don't years. have children, three years. Okay, right? in Ontario, if in Ontario, um, if you live with your partner for three years, you are then. It's it's not to say you're automatically going to get spousal support. It's just you just become, you just your stat your you are, you're considered a common law spouse, um, for the purposes of being considered for entitlement to spousal support. Mm-hmm. So there are like, many. So basically, many it just steps. means that you have the potential to claim. Correct. With no guarantee of actual Correct. payout. And what Correct. about like splitting of assets? Like if let's say all those other, gri- you know. <laughs> so assets are really interesting. Yeah. They're really interesting. So um, in Ontario, there's no, um, when we say property division, nobody's dividing any property, right? There's no, no, no actual division of property. And this is what I mean, right? Again, you and I are married, mm-hmm. right? We are getting a divorce. Um at the end of the day, the property that you own, that you're entitled for, the property that I own, that I'm entitled for, so whether that's real estate, your bank accounts, my bank accounts, whatever, we all keep our respective assets. So there's no transferring of assets in any any way, right? But what we do have is called equalization of net family properties, right? And that's basically this. You take a take a look at my net worth and your net worth at the date that we got married. Okay, mm-hmm. we got married 10 years ago. And then we separated yesterday. And so then we take a look at our net worth as of yesterday. And then you take a look at how much our respective net worth increased during the marriage. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's say I started at zero, I ended at one million. You started at zero, you ended at 10 million. Okay, so you had a 10 million increase and I had a one million increase. There's a nine million difference between our respective increase in our net worth and you have to pay me half of that difference to equalize the difference. So the idea is that during the marriage, we were one unit and we enjoyed a, a same increase in our respective net worths. And is that That's even the if the output to produce that extra nine million by the one party far exceeded the Correct. output of the other person? Correct. That doesn't matter. Correct. Um, I mean, I think that's where a lot of people think that that's an unfair law or process. Yeah. Where, like if one party, if one person, you know, decides like in this scenario, if I'm lazy and I'm just chilling at home and you bring home 10 million bucks and now suddenly I have the ability to, to say I want half of that or I'm entitled to half of that. I think that's where I think there's a lot of angst and emotion that gets driven up by stuff like that. Yeah, no, I think and I think that has a couple of components, right? I think first component of that is um, it's it's easy for people to feel like at the end of a marriage when emotions are running high and things probably happen that you are no longer fond of your ex partner um, that you are that you 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 find yourself thinking that you were the the one that contributed to the marriage in a way that the other person didn't. As in, you've done everything they haven't, and they're getting a better deal out of this fallout. And I've, I'm the one kind of losing, I'm getting the shorter end of the stick out of this deal. I think a lot of the times the truth of the matter is that they, the other spouse probably contributed a lot more than they'd like to admit. They perhaps not monetarily right but if it meant like they were staying home cleaning the house you know doing the dishes and keeping the garden and raising the children and and getting groceries and cooking food every day um it's it's you know that at least from 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 a lawyer's perspective um and from the court's perspective they recognize that as a fair contribution to the marriage that should be um that should be uh, monetized considered or right? considered um, okay. considered and compensated for mm. a lot of the times um, I now hear this a lot from um, typically male clients that like what have they done for us and the four children in the marriage I'm the one that worked my ass off and you know went outside and worked my ass off and and, and, and bought the house and you know afforded them this nice lifestyle and she just like stayed home, you know, and laid down on the couch and did nothing. And now she's going to take half my stuff. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough. Right. I mean, are there cases where that's, you know, 
to the T actually what had happened in that like the ex-spouse literally did not do anything? Probably, mm-hmm. right? Are there cases where the, the male probably is looking at it from the lens of a little bit of, um, um, not, they're not looking at it entirely fairly in that, you know, they probably, maybe they have this preconceived notion that, you know, domestic labor isn't as valuable mm-hmm. as bringing in, uh, as monetary contribution, perhaps. Um, I think the second component is that, you know, the law, no matter how carefully you draft it, somebody's going to be upset. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to be frustrated. Somebody's right. going to get, you know, quote unquote, the short end of the stick, because how is one document going to account for the intricacies of every single couple in Ontario? Right. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, we can, I think, I th- you know, I think that's why though, right? And my advice always is, please, please, please go talk to a lawyer before you get married. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's something that you've posted about recently on your social media. I do it all the time. Yeah. Right. I'm, ha- I'm well, because I'm happy for you to come to me when you get a divorce <laughs> and like I, you give me your money. I'll take it. Right. I'll do the work for you. But so why should people see a divorce lawyer before getting married? Because if everything that I talked about wasn't common knowledge to you for the last however many minutes, that means you don't really know what's happening to you when you say I do. Mm. Right. And I think. And if you think that maybe you should know that perhaps when you bring in your, you know, the house that you bought, um, that you worked so hard for during your life, um, into the marriage, uh, and, 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 and if you think, if you want, if, I mean, you, you would think that somebody would want to know that there's a possibility that they might lose half of that valuable asset that they worked their entire lives for, um, that's why you should talk to a, a divorce lawyer mm-hmm. so that you can have that information. You can yeah. know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And people always ask me like, oh, do you believe in marriage? Like, is it a good or a bad thing? I say, no, I could ask you Samir, like, do you, should you get the brand new iPhone 15 when it comes out in September? It depends. Yeah. yeah. It depends. Like, what are you looking for? Yeah. Like, what are your, like, like, what's your, what's your budget? Do you even like Apple? Like, are you a Samsung <laughs> fanboy? Like, what's, what are the considerations, <laughs> right? I am Android all day. <laughs> <laughs> all day. <laughs> I mean, there's so but many yeah, considerations. Like, there's a lot of considerations it's, that go into it, yeah. Apple is not good or bad. It's maybe good for you and it's bad for Matthew, right? Right. Um, marriage is the exact same thing. Marriage has its utility, but it's not for everybody, but it's also, it depends, Right. The only way you're going to find out and determine, decide for yourself whether marriage is the right move for you is for you to understand exactly what's happening to you when you say I do. And the only way for you to understand is to go talk to a divorce lawyer. Right. Yeah. And I think people don't truly comprehend that you're, you're essentially entering into a contract, a binding contract. Like when you remove the emotions and the romance and the fluff of, all, the fluff of it all, that's ultimately what's happening there. Right, and you're simp by when you say I do, you're basically saying I'm willing to, in some ways, risk everything I'm bringing into this relationship, right? Because you made a point about like if you if you own a property or several properties beforehand, that they're now fair game essentially in the event of a, a divorce. Well, I mean, I should be clear. So it's it's not that they're fair game. So technically speaking, you'd only what be quote unquote fair game is the increase in the value of whatever property you bring in post marriage. Okay. So if you brought in, I mean, I'll, and then this is an ex, it, this is a very important exception that I'll talk about. But generally speaking, okay, you brought in that cup. That cup is like an antique that's worth a hundred thousand dollars, let's say, into our marriage. Mm-hmm. When we do get a divorce, and then we are calculating how much money you and I are supposed to give give one another. Um, you're going to get a credit of $100,000 for bringing that mug in, into the marriage, right? The important exception that's going to apply probably to most people who's listening is going to be this. Um, it's a concept of matching on your home. So that's the home that you and I live in at the date of separation, right? Let's say you brought in a home uh, that's worth a million bucks, okay? And we lived together for 20 years. And at the, when, we're separated, when we're separating, that's the same house that we're living in. And it's now worth uh, $3 million. Normally, if that was any other property, you'd get a credit for the million bucks that you brought, quote unquote, brought in. And we'd only be splitting uh, the $2 million in the increase. Ontario law says for the matrimonial home, that's the home that you and I live in at the date of separation, you do not get any credit for what you brought in. Right? So in that sense, you lose the million dollar credit. 
mm-hmm. right, for having, mm-hmm. having brought it in. Right. Doesn't matter how you how that happened. Doesn't matter who paid for the house. Doesn't matter anything. It's just fifty fifty. Right. You'd want to know that. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> You'd want to know that before you you, you say I do with yeah. with somebody, and I especially you know, if you bought a place in Toronto. <laughs> that's right. Right. I mean, you work so hard. Yeah. Right, to get that property, probably. Yeah. Um, and you'd want to know that. Um, so that's why that's why you really need to go talk to a divorce lawyer. What about like prenups? That's so that's part of that's exactly what um, you would you would do uh, get. If so you suggest you, that everybody get prenup, or <sighs> truth be told, I don't think any every everyone needs a prenup. Everybody definitely needs to go talk to a divorce lawyer at the very least. Where a prenup could be a suggestion. Prenup could be useful for you, but but not necessarily for everybody, right? When is a prenup not good for someone? I've never heard of it being... I don't think... I, I wouldn't say that it's ever not good. Prenup is... It, it, but sometimes it might not be necessary. Okay. And when I would... The, the most typical example is if you have a, a young couple who's just starting out their lives and there's nothing extraordinary about their circumstances, right? So they're just like fresh out of university they have good jobs that pay somewhat well um, and their career trajectory is like it's pretty stable and they're it's it's foreseeable um and um maybe they'll have some kids down the line and they're they're going to they don't have any like huge inheritances coming coming down the pipeline for either of them it's not like they've got a huge gift that they receive from a family member or a friend or whatever right so we if we have that if we take that very like typical scenario of like a young couple who's just starting out their lives maybe start a family down the line and they're just going to work together towards this building a life i think that scenario is what the law currently is most apt for right mm-hmm. so that the law currently is more it's, it's most tailored towards that kind of typical scenario mm-hmm. right so if somebody came to me and they said, that's my situation, like, should I get a prenup? I think I might say, like, I think I'll explain to you exactly what's going to happen when you get married, when you have children, if you decide not to work, if they decide not to work, if you get hit by a car and you get disabled. Like, I think I, I, I tell you, but you might not necessarily need an agreement to basically repeat what the law is going to say. Okay. And when, it, when should they get the prenup then? In scenarios where they're bringing in... The million dollar house or when there is yeah that's right so when there's a lot of property um that you're that, that's that's involved when there's when you're working with high net worth individuals a lot of the times we've got um, um children who's got trust funds set up for them so who's got that supplemental income usually in like <laughs> extraordinary amounts that are just flowing in uh on a recurring basis um who knows that they're who's part of a family business and they're going to inherit that family business, um, or somebody who is um, past their prime, and they're much older, past their prime. Maybe that's a bit crass, but <laughs> somebody who's older, yeah. uh, who's who, who's 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 who's. Uh, We're not talking about athletes here. <laughs> <laughs> somebody who's older um, and who's repartnering usually, right? and they've sort of, and a lot of the times they've already gotten a divorce. Um, so they've they 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 are already established in their career. They've got high incomes. They've got properties that they're bringing in. Um, so for those people, um, it's a lot more. There's I think there's a lot more utility of getting a prenup. And what does the like what a prenup will cover those things? Is there anything else that a prenup will cover that's not typically thought of? Prenup is essentially a financial instrument. Um, meaning anything to do with your finances, so whether that's property, whether that's the support that you're going to end up paying for one another, um, like that's all covered. Um, anything that you can conceive of financially is is all fair game. There are only a, there are certain things that you cannot put in the prenup, and they usually relate to the children, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't say if you and I have children, um, we're going to like, and then if we get divorced, um, I'm going to take the children. Because the law says whatever decision is made about the children has to be in their best interest. And how can we know what is in their best interest right 10 on, years yeah. in advance? Right, okay. right. So anything with the children, we leave out. We just can't, we just we don't deal with that. Right. And you can't say, like, um, also how you're going to raise them either, right? Right. Um, so we leave those out. So it's mainly going to be a financial instrument. Anything to do with money, you can, it's all fair game. 
on the topic of children, that that's a very rough, hard subject when it comes to divorce. I think it seems like a lot of couples or, or married couples will put off getting divorced because of the repercussions on children and whatnot. But in the scenarios where they ultimately decide they're going to get that divorce, <clears throat> how do how is the custody of children typically determined? Uh, Again, no because there's a misnomer, right? Of like you, it, there's almost an automatic assumption that if there are children involved, it's going to go to the woman, right? So, is that even a thing, or is that just a misnomer, or a stereotype in society? Again, back to my like initial point of you know, it is true that I think more women than men get the children at the end of the day, at least initially or temporarily. Um, but that's not because they're a woman. It's just it's that they were the primary caregivers throughout the marriage. So. When the judge looks at this case and says, well, I mean, she's the one that rate that, you know, took care of the children for the right. last 10 years. And if we're now going to decide who is supposed to have the children, at least on a temporary basis, uh, more often than not, you know, should it be the mother again that's taken care of the children for the last 10 years or the father who's not really had much time with the children at home? Right? Well, I mean, in that case, it, you know, think of it what you will, but it, it makes more sense that the person who's been taking care of them the longest continues at least from a consistency perspective, if the interests of the children is the primary concern there. Correct. And that, and that's, that's a really good word you use. Consistency is like courts love, I love, um, 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 love is not the word. Courts really value, value, um, um, consistency and stability for the children, providing consistency and stability for the children because they know that it's a really disruptive process, right? Right. For a lot of these children, it's traumatic. Right? It's like they're being uprooted from whatever life that they had, and they're now, you know, being, you know, thrown into this new reality where they no longer have one singular home. They now have two homes where they have to sort of juggle their, their life around. And, um, and then, um, in the midst of all of that, there's only so many things that you can do to control, and and provide consistency and and, and stability for these children. And one of the ways that you can do that is to say, well let's at least not disrupt the parenting regime that they were so they gotten used to for the last 10 years right so that's not to say by the way that um, whoever is a secondary parent can never get more time with the children um, if two parents can agree to um, saying you know what I I for the last however many years I was no primary caregiver but I rec I acknowledge and recognize that you know like he's also a rightful parent and who should have just as much time with the children as uh, as me um, they agree to say from now on it's just going to be you're going to spend a week with the dad and a week with the mom that's totally fine right if you can come to an agreement right but what we're talking about is if people can't come to an agreement you go to court and you're asking the judge to decide the judge is going to say well stability and consistency that's usually what we see. And again, it's not because, you know, they say, well, women should be the primary caregivers. It's just, well, in that particular case, who was mm. the primary caregiver for the last however many years? Usually it's the woman. Gotcha. What about like pets? Pets are interesting. So pets are considered property in Ontario. Okay. So uh, there's no such thing as pet custody. There's no such thing as pet, you know, um, pet support. <laughs> mm. Right? So um, it's... They, the law, strictly speaking, doesn't regard for any sort of emotional connection or attachment that you may have to your pets. Right. And so you can't say, I know that he bought it, he paid for it, the, he paid for the dog, um, he bought all the insurance, he bought all the food, he took care of, etc. Um, but, you know, I'm the one that has the emotional attachment to the dog, therefore I should have it, right? You can't make that same like similar argument that you would for a child, for example, right? Because child is not all about who did the monetary contribution, who provided monetary contributions, made the monetary contributions towards the kid. But for pet, it's it's more more or less going to be like who quote unquote owns the pet. Whoever bought the dog gets the dog kind of thing. That's right. Okay. What if one person bought the dog, the other person is the one that bought the food and the paid for the vet and all that. Or somehow like the, the, the... Or I bought the dog for you as like a sure. birthday. It's like, oh, it's happy birthday. There's a dog. 
about it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's why you have lawyers, and yeah. we go to court, yeah, and we, we and we fight about it. Yeah. yeah, and we fight about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the argument could. I mean, it, you know, we argue for day. We could argue for days, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's where things get gray. That's get things. That's where things get gray. That's where you know lawyers come in, um, and we have a field day. Um, but you know, if it is going to be considered property, it's it's important if you want to be a bit proactive and you want to be, um, you want to uh, protect yourself in the event against the possibility of losing your pet when you get uh, a divorce, then you should um, make sure your name is on the papers as much as possible, right? When you go to vet, you're the registered owner. Mm. Like when you you buy the pet and your name is on the purchase paper, your name is on the insurance paper, your name is on whatever, right? So, and then so you can say, look, I mean, (laughs) look at all these documentation. I'm the rightful owner, right? Interesting. And you said that you seem still pretty open to the idea of getting married i feel like in your position you'd be like oh no there's no chance i'm getting married like, <laughs> like, how do you, so much yeah, how do you still have that optimism for it yeah so uh, i don't know i think i'm i'm a bit of a hopeless romantic uh, ironically <laughs> yeah. you're unfazed um, by all the stuff that you see <laughs> yeah i mean i think i mean maybe i don't know that i don't know if i'm naive or if i just truly believe that I can do better than most people. It's, it's like, just, I can see wherever else went wrong. I can make sure that I can do it right. Maybe like, and I don't know if I'm just being delusional when I think that like, I, I, I you know, I think I can make it work with the right person. Mm. Right. I do find myself uh, a lot more um, transactional though, for sure. When in, in my thinking towards sort of relationships and marriages, just because I know all this stuff. Right. And right. this is, this is the same across the board for all family lawyers. Right. Like, when you sort of, for example, you go on a date with someone and then they say, then you're just, you're just kind of like getting to know each other and you find out about their life circumstance and their, you know, their, their career, like uh, their sort of general f- finances and where they are at in their life. And you sort of can sort of just draw a general picture of like, okay, well, then this is how we're going to sort of, uh, if, if, we, if we did became a thing and then like we had a, we, we experienced a, a, a breakdown of our relationship this is kind of how it's going to go down and who's got who's got more risk in that scenario like you you can sort of see that as a family lawyer um, so I have become a bit more transactional in that sense but that hasn't put me off in any way to, uh, from getting married uh, right. again it's just I just haven't found the right person yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting okay so the process of you know, coming to the the divorce lawyer. Oftentimes, most times, it happens when the breakdown of the relationship happens, right? You've been saying since the start of this episode, see a divorce lawyer before any of that happens. How does someone, or do you have advice on how someone can initiate that conversation with their partner? Because if, let's say someone goes to their partner and says, hey, I think we should see a divorce lawyer you know, the other person can get their back up against the wall very you're quickly. Go, you're not, you don't, you, you don't you think trust it's gonna me. Fail. Like, yeah. yeah, or even the conversations around prenups. If a prenup is applicable, it's like, well, why? You don't love me. You don't trust yeah, me. You think yeah. I'm going to cheat you. Like yeah. all those conversations. Do you have advice? Have you seen scenarios or th- situations that work that you can share? Um, It's not romantic. That's for sure. Right. It's not, it's not a fun conversation to have over a glass of wine on a Wednesday night or something. Right. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it, it is awkward. People can be, get apprehensive, um, but first, I'll, I mean, like, just ease it, in, ease it into it from a perspective of of you saying you could literally just say, "Look, I look at this TikTok. Mm. This guy, Toronto divorce lawyer. Look at what he's saying." And then the video says, "Like, see a divorce lawyer before you get married for X, Y, Z reasons." And then that could be like, I'm not like, just look at this cool, weird video that I found. Like, what do you think of that? <laughs> so that could be a way to ease into it, right? Yeah. Instead of saying, look, I thought about it. Yeah. Like, how do I protect myself? And this is what I think. What do you think, right? right. Um, but I mean, I think it's more important that you start that conversation than how you do it. And I, and I think how they react to it, no matter how you end up bringing it up to them, right? As long as you're not doing it from like an aggressive sort mm-hmm. of standpoint, how they react to it will... I think it, I think it will speak volumes, yeah. right? Like if, again, I totally get it, right? It's there's a cultural element to this. There's a you know, um, you know, just just, uh, just people's general 
apprehension towards you know talking about yeah, the demise might think of it might, the, might think it's bad luck to even or like that's right it's like well why are you even thinking about that yeah. if we're about to we're see not gonna I get a divorce why do you need to see now and forever mm-hmm. correct um so you know could it be could it be that we just don't call you a divorce lawyer and we say can we just see a family lawyer to get our affairs in order totally fine and in fact i think family lawyer is a more ubiquitous term here in ontario right when mm-hmm. i say divorce lawyer like i brand myself as a divorce lawyer because i mean people get it a bit more and they sure. sometimes ask like like what is a family lawyer right um so i just want to be a, you know um a bit more obvious um, yeah what so else then, does a family lawyer do if it's not just divorce so we can do adoptions right uh, if it's not divorce we do prenups right so that's not yeah. a divorce that's like in the beginning of the the relationship um sometimes some some family lawyers do um like child protection right so if like the society the children's aid society takes the children away um you know you 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 know, like that type, that type of child protection work um, is mm-hmm. also sort of, I personally do not, uh, I don't dabble in that area, but like that could be something that a family lawyer does. Um, so anything that you can conceive that's related to sort of a family-related issue, a family lawyer deals with. How come there's, at least from what I gather, such a, it's such a process for an adoption, right? But why isn't it like that same kind of process to even say, okay, we have to have a child? Like it's still someone taking care of a child, right? But adoption is, uh, from my note, you have to like this, it's a production, right? But to have a to have a kid, you could just. I do think. I do think. And I don't know. I don't know if like every. I don't. I don't speak for all family lawyers. This is just me. I do think it is way too easy to get married, and I do think it is way too easy to have children, right? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure the reasoning. You could. I mean, I'm sure people could argue it both ways. Like, why would I take away your liberty to get married and have children if you wanted to? And why would I put roadblocks in front of you from? you being able to do that. I would argue, I mean, let's look at the number of people that do not, um, that end up, you know, divorced and, and, and end up, you know, not being able to care for these children properly. And and that's like, a, that's also a very slippery slope because I mean, who's to determine what? Who, right? Like, who am I to say, like how sure. you're taking care of your children is wrong or whatever. But I mean, from my perspective, right, I see so many people who are, 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 are in the middle of getting a divorce and they say to me, like, I, there's so much regret. They were young and they didn't know anything, right? Nobody, there was no educational seminar that said this yeah. is what happens when you get married. Nobody told me what, you know, raising a kid was going to be like. And then, you know, uh, and, you know, had I known, I might have made different decisions back then, right? So, you know, I, like, what's the answer here? I, I don't know. But I do think, I do think if there was, for example, a mandatory information program for people who are trying to get married so that they at least understand the basics of exactly what's happening to them when, when they say, I do. Like, that's significant, right? And I yeah. think that would sort of get people to talk about these things more with their potential partners and end up making, guide them towards making the right decision. Because again, like marriage isn't for everyone. Maybe it's not right for you. Right, but if the only reason you're doing it is because everybody else does it, and your parents are kind of waiting for that cultural cultural thing. ceremony, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but but you know, legally speaking, that you might actually be binding yourself to something that's not favorable um, for you. Then, like, should you do that? Right, right. Is there a, if you get married on a day, like, does it have to be a certain amount of time before you can get divorced? Like, let's say you get married on the Saturday. And then decide on Sunday morning you want to be married. <laughs> that's a good. That's that's a good question. I don't want to say with any certainty because we never really deal with that kind of scenario. Yeah. But I, but to my knowledge, no. Like once you're married, you're married. I think we if, have to ask a Vegas divorce lawyer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They like Vegas probably has like a separate area of law. So like, yeah, like for people that are getting <laughs> for eloped. the twenty-four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about cultural? So you mentioned cultural, you know, pressures obviously to get married. There's also the component of getting married legally so obviously being sort of approved or whatnot by the city the state you name it and then there's the religious element to it so i think for a lot of uh, a lot of people who come from different parts of the world if you get married you know based on city law and then you get married religiously is there one that supersedes the other no no they're the same they're the same. And like, I mean, it's legally, it's when you get legally married, that's the date that we use for any family law purposes. And if there's a, an agreement to exchange something or 
you know, if I'm, you know, if a person's getting married religiously and says, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars in the event of a separation, is that legally binding? I mean, in the religious context, I, I, I can't really say it with any certainty. Like that's, that's a bit of a nuanced area. But I mean, if any agreement that relates to your sort of domestic um, um, uh, affairs, right, we call it domestic contract. And for any domestic contract in Ontario to be a binding one, okay, meaning um, that that you can go to court and say, look, here's an agreement. Like they need to follow this agreement. It needs to be written, signed, and witnessed. Right. Um, so, I mean, if those things are followed, technically speaking, that's a binding agreement that you can go to court and say, look, we agreed to it. They need to now follow it. Um, there are many reasons the court may, there are many bases that the court can um, uh, overturn that agreement. Right. So for, give you like a few examples that are relevant probably for most people is, you know, they haven't really understood each other's finances at the time of getting a divorce or at the at the time of signing the agreement so you didn't have you had no idea about their income their um, assets their liabilities and vice versa like i didn't right. give my information of my information about my finances so there were no there was no financial disclosure of one another before signing that agreement another thing is like undue pressure or duress if somebody puts a gun to your head and says sign or else right then <laughs> the court will say eh, not a valid agreement or a lot of times this is what happens. Um, the most common one is I get, a, I get some, somebody calls in, say, um, I need a consult. I'm like, what can I help you with? They say, I'm getting married next month. I need a marriage contract. What do I do? And I say, well, I mean, it is possible that I could write one for you and then probably get it executed before your marriage date. But what, when you're running that low on time, what then happens is somebody feels pressure to sign. Right. Mm -hmm. You've called your friends, your family, your grandma's coming over from Turkey to like attend your wedding, you know, and, and she's sick. <laughs> she's in a wheelchair. Yeah. So like she like so like you don't want to disappoint your family members, your friends, like the commitments that you've made to like make the ceremony happen just because your lawyer is now telling you, well, you need to postpone the wedding if you don't. Uh, well, I mean, they wouldn't say if you don't sign, but if they, they, you can't sign before the wedding. And then so they're like, you know what, like, I'd, I'd rather just sign now. I mean, I'm probably not going to break up with him anyway. Yeah, you don't and so I'm think, gonna, yeah. I'm just going to do it. Two years down the line, well, you break up. And then, and then you go to court and you might be able to say, I felt pressured, so I signed. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't really, um, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I didn't mean to sign it. And the court can, it, it can be an argument that's made for the court to say, okay, fine, the agreement is now set aside. Um so yeah, I mean those are the. Um, so uh, so you know, if an, if there is an agreement that says yeah the Jew somebody's supposed to pay the X amount of dollars if in the event of a breakdown of a, a marriage, it is possible that that's that's that they might have to follow it, but it's also possible that that just becomes a non-binding agreement. Interesting. What if? Not what if? Are you only allowed to be married to one person? Like the, does the law respect the polygamous relationships? Oh, that's a good question. That's not an area that I dabble in. I do know that there is some, there is an area of law where there are more than one, um, more than one, more than two parents to a child. So there are multiple parents. Um, so I, I know that that's an area. Interesting. I don't, I, I can't, I, I don't know. That's okay. a, and what I don't scenario know would there be more than two parents? Uh, they're in a polygamous relationship. Right. Okay. Right? And then they're just, uh, they, they adopt a child and they are, all parents to one child, but specifically, I don't know that you can get. I don't. I think the answer is no. I don't think you can get married I, to more okay. than one person. Yeah. Um, and I guess that also goes back to the whole like the religious side of things too, right? Like in some religions, you can be married to multiple people at the same time. And is that recognized in a in a country like Canada, for example? I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I've certain. I've never dealt with that kind of scenario before. Yeah. Um, to be frank. Um, it's uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Come, okay. well, we uh, we put out a story on Instagram a little earlier asking people what they uh, if they Oof, had any questions, you any burning questions. Yeah, we actually got a couple. So really? Gonna, <laughs> yeah, we did. I'm gonna pull these up right now. One of them, um, was I just gotta remember how to pull up the stories. Oh, swipe up. Is this swipe up? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, 
Do you need a divorce lawyer if you are in a relationship but don't plan on ever getting married? Absolutely. We just talked about common law spouses, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. Um, one of them is, <laughs> why do divorce lawyers charge so much money? <laughs> well, uh, cause you're screwed if you don't spend it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, what can I say? I mean, you know, it is, it is expensive. Okay. I'm not going to lie about that. It's not cheap. Um, so I mean, first of all, that's why you should go see a divorce lawyer before you get married. So you're not, you're spending a reasonable amount instead of your a fortune when you get a divorce. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, I mean, there, there's value in what we provide, right? And, you know, whether that's too expensive for you or not, it's like, it's your call to make. And I think for a lot of people, it is expensive. I, like I, like I mentioned earlier, there is a huge issue with access to justice, right? The amount of money you need to make to comfortably afford the cheapest lawyer in Toronto is that that income is so far from how the, the amount of income that you need to make for the government to step in and help you out. And anybody in that in between that 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 uh, those two um, thresholds is 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 going to struggle. To so hire what a happens if a person just simply can't afford it and they don't qualify? Like what do they do? They can do it themselves. Nobody's forced to get a lawyer, right? So you could technically go represent yourself in court. Is there any leniency for a person who demonstrates that they can't afford a lawyer, so they're trying to go about this themselves? Well, I mean, so there are resources, okay? So, I mean, you know, so if you go to court, there are resources um, for you to get, um, um, just speak with a, a legal professional for like an hour, I think, um, to get information about your case right now. And it gave you sort of guidance over for immediate next steps. Um, you know, and there are obviously there are websites that government sort of runs that, you know, has resources on the information that you need to know about family law and the procedures and, and, and everything that you need to know. Um, so I mean, if you can't afford it, like I mean, the reality is you just have to do it yourself, I and mean, that's and that's not that's not a helpful comment for to anybody. Sure, but that's just a reality. Yeah. What about long distance relationships, where a person is either married or common law, or you know they're in a relationship, but it's long distance, or they spend mass amounts of time away from each other because of work or whatever the case may be? Does anything change in those circumstances? Um, so I mean, if if you want to proceed in Ontario. Um, one of the spouses need to be living here in Ontario, right? I mean, not both, not the two of them don't need to at the same time, but one of them needs to have been living in Ontario for the last year. If it is the case that the other person is living in BC, let's say, right? I mean, you should go talk to the BC lawyer and Ontario lawyer to get your options. I mean, it's hard to say like exactly what the answer to that sh would be because it's, it just depends on so many different factors, right? right. Um, but if you do have other jurisdictions that are in play that may potentially be in play, go speak to a, uh, a BC divorce lawyer, right? Or anybody in your jurisdiction. And if the answer you get is, no, 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 like the, you don't need to talk to me, just go talk to somebody in Ontario because your facts are such that you need to go talk to somebody in Ontario, then that's the answer that you were looking for. I have right? a question. If I get, because I know like the law changes, like if I get married in Ontario, do I have to get divorced in Ontario? No, no. It's based on residency. Based on residency, yeah. And you don't, you don't need to be married in Ontario to get a divorce in Ontario. Okay. Yeah. What about if you get married in Canada? Do you need to get divorced in Canada? No. So it's the same rule. Regard. Well, well, so so the Canadian law doesn't say that, but but whether you can get divorced elsewhere if you got married in Canada is not a question for a divorcer in Canada, right? Fair. So that's a question for wherever you're trying to get a divorce. If you got married somewhere else, you can still get divorced in Canada. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. What about uh, business owners? So people who own businesses and bring it into the marriage or they start a business in the middle of their marriage type of thing. Is there any protections to their business? Because I think one of the things that oftentimes there's a lot of consideration for is if Matthew and I start a business together and then I break up with my spouse, is my spouse somehow entitled to the business that Matthew and I have together? They would be entitled to your share of the business. Right. Not Matthew Sharon. But just the financial side of it, I guess. Uh, correct, correct. So yeah. is there, does a prenup extend to to protect? It could. Because it could. then in that scenario, someone like Matthew might go, hey, you're getting married. I kind of want to make sure our business is protected. Mm -hmm. I would like for you to go get a prenup. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And that's, one, that's, and that's one of the common things that you put in a prenup. You say, this is a, there's a business interest that I have. 
um, and whether we're talking about the income that you're drawing from the business or your or the value of the business that you've grown and that you're going to continue to grow, um, like Prina will address protecting those. Okay. Uh, a lot of questions around prenups. Yeah. 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 See, people are interested, and I think that's good, right? More people are talking about it, right? Um, it, it is. I mean, I think, like, you know, some of the questions are, you know, what advice would you give specifically to women when it comes to marriage and prenups? But I, by the sounds of it, prenups are... The same advice for men, I guess. Yeah, right? for everyone, really. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, it really depends on the facts, right? It really depends on your circumstance. And this is why you go see an individual lawyer. I wish that there was, like, a course, let's say, that people... I mean, I, I, I actually I actually do think it, it would be starting. kind of... It could be. Oh, and yeah. I, I did think about it, actually. And, like, maybe it, it is something that's a, that, that's a good business idea, actually. But... but like it, everybody's lives are so new. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do a deal right now. Yeah. Everybody's lives are so nuanced, right? And like yeah. the circumstances of your uh, circumstances of your relationship is so different than mine, different than Matthew's. And so you know, like this is why you go to see a lawyer f- for your specific case and get specific tailored advice for you, right? And so then it's 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 hard to give a, a general advice. Um, um, that says, well, this applies to every woman out there. This right. applies to every man out there. Because every situation is different. It's so different, right? My question is, I know for, like, for <clears throat> like therapists, like I would see my therapist, you see a therapist, and we together see a marriage counselor. Would it be like, I see a divorce lawyer, you see a divorce lawyer, and we see one, so it's like, or is it the couple Particularly just together? Particularly when, I, I imagine you're asking when things are good, like you're not actually getting divorced. Or even, at the, even when you're getting divorced, is it like me and the spouse go see one, or is it I see one and she sees one, or? Individually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because and what about at the beginning? Individually. Okay. Yeah. Because the idea is, um, you're, you, if you, if the two have of, to agree though? Pardon me? Like at the beginning, wouldn't we have to, uh, I guess, agree? To, like if my spouse and I go, hey, like we're on good terms, everyone loves everybody, we're thinking of getting married, let's go talk about getting a prenup, could we collectively, the two of us, go and see the one divorce lawyer or family lawyer and say, hey, like we're, everything is fine, no one's upset, we, we just want to work through getting something down on paper. In that scenario, do we still have to see two different people? Correct, correct. And the reason is because there's inherently a conflict of interest, right? with you and you if, if the two of you are getting married and you both come see me i can't represent you properly with at without jeopardizing my duty to represent him properly mm. uh, right okay because i mean if i'm taking if i'm protecting your business interest with with me in our you know skillshare business to for a prenup 101 um you know <laughs> which i'm really excited about by the way right right yeah yeah <laughs> um no inherent then that if we protect that side of your that share of the business that you own, then that's at the detriment of his interest right. potentially, right? I can't. So how can you protect him and me at the same time? There's a conflict it. of interest. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That is a good question though, because sometimes I do have consults. I, I like people sign up for consults and they show up, and like the two of them will just be <laughs> right there on a Zoom call, and I'm like, oh, okay, uh, this is not how it works, by the way. So one of you, have, well, the 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 person that reached out stays, and the other person leaves. Yeah. Uh, but that does happen. It can be, it's a misconception people have. Do you do you recommend? Like, would you say, "Hey, I know another lawyer that you can." Yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, because I mean, a lot of people just don't know, right? I mean, when do yeah. you ever, you know, get, uh, you know, exposure to a divorce lawyer, right? Um, at least not the, at least at least you know, um, like somebody that happens. you would comfortable feel comfortable enough to like seek out or refer a friend to. Um, or until it happens to you, right? So then it's like, um, so so people do all like people do ask quite often. Like, do you have any referrals that you can make? And I give them all the time. Yeah. Amazing, Justin. Thank you for for like the hours worth of <laughs> insight and knowledge. Yeah, and you'll you'll be getting an invoice for the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been I a pleasure. Think, this is super fun. Yeah, thank no, you. this yeah. is great. So uh, I think there's there's definitely a lot of people out there who can benefit from learning more about this process. Just because I don't think that there's anything wrong with getting a prenup if it protects both of you, Absolutely. right? And we were talking about this with Dr. Jess, who I know that uh, who she highly right. re- referred you. Um, 
we were saying the same thing where it's like oh, that's why the name sounds so familiar okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> see right yeah. yes oh so that's where you know we were talking about why wouldn't you want to go and speak to a family lawyer when things are at their best mm-hmm. when you're not out to you know you're not vengeful you're not trying to you know squeeze every possible dime yeah. and and whatnot from the other person it's like no i care about you right now i'm not mad at you for anything I would like to make sure that you're protected at the end of it because at the same time too, you're coming in with your own assets and your own bank accounts and you name it and you want to protect those just as much. And I think it almost makes it cleaner in the event of a divorce, right? Like, cause yep. everything is set out in stone. Exactly. Exactly. Which actually leads me to one final question. Is there a scenario where a prenup gets changed? Not changed, but uh, you and I signed a prenup 10 years later, something happens. We, we want to get divorced. Is there ever a scenario where a court will look at that prenup and go, this this is not applicable, I'm overturning it or overruling it? So that's exactly what I talked about earlier. When there's no financial disclosure, nobody n- understood what they were getting right, into okay. because they were lack of financial information. Another thing is like, if somebody says, I, you just drew up a, 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 you just pulled a document from Google and then you just like signed your name on it and, and it says some stuff that you don't really understand. You can say, I didn't have a lawyer. I'm not a legally trained professional. That, so I didn't know what I was doing. I was also 23. I was super young and stupid. And I just signed because I didn't know what I was doing. And then uh, now I realize this is a stupid document that makes no sense. I need it overturned. And that's an argument that you could make. And the court could accept that. What if it's like you were saying, so you got a prenup and then it's one of the other two options. You said it's uh, adultery or the, or the mm. physical harm. Would that negate anything from the prenup? No, and, and one of the questions that I get a lot is like, can I put like a cheating clause? Say, um, if somebody cheats, they pay me X amount of dollars. Mm. I don't people have a, ask for that. All people, uh, well, so nobody has. Well, I did have a couple that asked me directly, but usually people that have a direct consult with me don't ask it. But I mean, that's a question that's raised on my social media all the time. It's like, can you do a cheating uh, clause? And I don't know about other jurisdictions, but in Ontario. And also, I don't have a conclusive answer, but I think the general idea that I get from other family lawyers is it's not possible. But even if it is, right, then you run into the problem of how are you, like, how logistically, how is this going to play out? You have to, like, what is considered cheating in your particular circumstance? Mm -hmm. What evidence can you do to prove that somebody cheated? And do you actually want to go through all of the trouble to get? Fifteen, twenty thousand, like whatever the yeah, amount may be. Not a lot of dirty laundry for. Well, that and how much are you spending in legal fees? That's yeah. right. That's right. Just so to, to prove that, if it means that much to you, then maybe. But like I, but my understanding, as of right now, is like it's not even a thing anyway in Ontario. And then from a, a I keep saying final question, but, um, settlements versus going to court. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. What do you recommend? Oh my God, there, nobody's going to recommend that you go to court. Okay. Um, my, I tell them, I tell all my clients and both at the start of my consults and when they actually start the case, my objective for you, um, 99% of the time, my objective for you is to keep you out of court. Nobody wins in court except divorce lawyers. And even I'm miserable when I'm in court. Okay. Because like, I don't want to have to deal with so much conflict and I mm. hate Nobody wins in what sense? Like nobody wins. Like, I mean, so the wife gets dragged out. You're saying because they're spending enormous amounts of money just to fight in court and they're going to both end up with an outcome that they're not favorable with. Mm. And the only person that's getting a payday is are the divorce lawyers. And I say that quite like transparently, like I, like I, it's expensive to go to court. You're going to mm. pay me a lot of money to go to court. Um, and for, so for your benefit, for your family's benefit, and especially your children's benefit, right? Um, settling is a much better option. Do it privately. Don't go to court. But at the same time, and this is this is important, the only way to resolve a issue if you reach an impasse, you just or, or the other person just is not cooperative, you just can't get anywhere, is by going to court. Court is very expensive, but it's also an effective tool. Um, so it is a I consider it for most cases a last resort method. Um, if you just cannot um, um, progress the case any further privately. Um, so for example, if you have somebody that's just not willing to give me any information about their finances, despite me needing to seek child support from you, um, the only way we can get them to listen and, and get some 
get 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 them to do anything is by going to court and getting an order that says mm-hmm. some years to pay me however many dollars a month in child support. Right. And then final final question: <laughs> engagement rings, wedding rings, the stuff that you purchase for the whole proposal, all that stuff. Is any of that? as you mentioned, a credit back to you because it happens before the actual legal signing of your marriage contract or uh, because it's a gift just like any other birthday gift or anything like that. It's uh, just gone. It depends on who. So if you, it really depends on the date, right? So if you did buy it and you gifted it to the other person at the, before the date of marriage, then when we're calculating at the date of marriage, the person who the gift was gifted to is going to quote unquote own that property. So it's just going to sit on their side of the ledger. So it'll actually... They'll get the credit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, that was a lot of information. Yeah. Justin, thank you so much. Thank this you. was great. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, we learned a ton. And uh, we might bug you to come back and, and, and give us some more information down the road. <laughs> I'll be happy to. This is amazing. Where I'll can people to. find you? So I... Uh, J. Lee Family Law. So that's J-L-E-E. <laughs> that's not true. JLeeFamily.com. That's J-L-E-E. <laughs> F-A-M-I-L-Y.com. Um, that's my website. And anybody in Ontario can um, set up a free consult with me to speak about whether they want a prenup or whether they're going through a divorce or they just have some family law-related issues um, or if they just want to have some uh, bite-sized uh, divorce law-related content now and then on Instagram and TikTok. Um, TikTok, my handle is J-L-E-E-J-D. So that's J-L-E-E-J-D. And on Instagram, it's jlee.jd jlee.jd so they can find me there amazing Justin thank you so much thank you really appreciate it we learned a ton Uh, we hope that this was informative for everybody that was listening I never know which camera to look at I'm just gonna look (laughs) at all of them I'm just gonna gonna keep looking back and forth Um, but thank you for listening we hope this was informative if you have any more questions please drop them in the comments and we'll pass them along and uh, we'll go from there but thank you so much for listening Poncho, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you, everybody.